I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back to another episode of Ideas Digest, the live podcast, nay, Cameron, The Practice. The Practice. This is the podcast. We're trying to be a practice moving beyond agree and disagree into the context behind the ideas that divide us. Now, as we say every week, and we will continue to say, the context is the people. True. And context, ideas without context divide us. So... Let's find the context. Yep. Let's uh, find the person. My name's Conrad. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Cam. Yes. Back again. And some of you have joined via Instagram Live. You can get involved and ask questions or no, do Post whatever comments, you want. Send whatever. emojis. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's all It's all fun. And today we're chatting with Josh. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Josh. Cool. It's good to be here, fellas. We're going to learn a little bit about Josh in a minute, but... Uh, the clickbait of this, and it's a mm, it's a different kind of clickbait. It might trigger people in some different kinds of ways. I've gone with Josh, not a Christian, not an atheist, or what's left? Well, uh, not agnostic either. I don't know if there's anything else. Yeah, and uh. this is this might trigger some people because they go, "Oh man, where are the categories to put someone into? How yeah. do I judge I somebody?" A, I need a box. <laughs> <laughs> and. And we've taken all those boxes off the table. So we like to begin by trying to make as many assumptions as we can about the person we're talking to just based on the clickbait to see if we can reduce them to something. Often it fails, but it's always fun to try. Yeah. So Josh, <laughs> yeah. simple, yes, simple yes and no, right? There's no difference right. here. We're just... We're just judging you as harshly and as quickly as we can. <laughs> Bring it on. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. I'll start and then, and then I'll throw it to Cam. You mustn't be have much time for thinking about this stuff if, you don't, if you're not in a box. So you're playing video games. Are you a gamer or something? No. No, not a gamer. No. I thought like, what else are you doing with your time if yeah, you're not I thinking mean, about... Yeah, if you're not thinking about this. Like... Existential questions. <laughs> yeah. You must be playing video games. Okay, not correct. Not correct. Um, you have no convictions. Like, kind of like stand for nothing, fall for everything kind of guy. Oh, yeah, good one. No. Ooh. Bit of a harsh one, Kev. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> We've only just met this guy. <laughs> okay. Okay, if you're not a Christian, you're not an atheist, you're not agnostic, are you like a Buddhist or Muslim or Hindu or something? No. No, okay. Yeah. He doesn't look. He doesn't look like a. He looks very Anglo, like white. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to be confused then. Like, if you're not Buddhist, you're not. You're none of these things so far. Just so you're, you're just confused. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Cool. cool. We appreciate that. Honestly. Sounds like we'll need to unpack that later. Okay. Yeah, come on. All right, I'll. I'm going to throw around a bit of a dirty word. So you prepare. Many many Christians will use this as a dirty word. Maybe you're aware of it, Josh. Are you a universalist, mate? Everyone's right. Everyone's going to heaven. Can't do anything wrong. Can't do anything wrong. Universalist. No. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Well, Christians will be happy about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to keep everybody All happy. All those hate emails have just been like yeah, deleted. Yeah, delete. <laughs> uh, like, I guess it's not a universalist. <laughs> no point sending that through. Uh, well, uh, well, I got nothing. So uh, I, yeah. guess we, I guess we better just find out about this guy rather yeah. than throwing, throwing some more judgments there. So... I'll just let I'll just let you run with it. We've thrown the clickbait out there, which is just pretty much you're not anything. Yeah. Do you want to just unpack this idea of like I'm not a Christian, I'm not an atheist, and I'm not agnostic? Do you just want to unpack that as much nuance as you like? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. I'll give it a I'll give it a minute or so. So um, I think that the more accurate um, statement would be because I love the clickbait, <laughs> loving it, getting people's attention. <laughs> it's good. Uh, but I think the more the more accurate thing would be I'm not an atheist, I'm not a Christian because those things make those things like a noun, right? They make them a label. So I would say more I am Christian without the A in front of it. I am sometimes I'm atheist. It's more like it's an adjective than a noun. And I don't want to be the, the uber hipster trying to get rid of labels because I know that we need them to have some sort of structure. Okay. But he does have a beard, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here we go. So I think you said before, I really liked it. You were saying, um, let's take all the boxes off the table. I think it might be better for a moment to put all the boxes back on the table, you know, okay. and, right. and admit that sometimes, yes, I am Christian, but sometimes I'm atheist. Sometimes I'm agnostic. Sometimes I got no idea what the hell is going on. But most of the time I would at least say something's going on, right? So sometimes I'm agnostic. Wow. Sometimes I'm atheist. Some, I would say more often than not, I am Christian. But um, one of your um, followers answered your um, Instagram story question really well the other day. And they were saying something along the lines of, um, when someone asks me if I'm Christian, I don't say I'm Christian. I ask the question, what do you mean by Christian? And that opens up just a whole world of conversation where you start going deeper than like you were saying before. Um, it's not just the label. Let's talk about the person. Let's talk about the context. And there's just mm. worlds to find within that story. Yeah, I yeah. really like that. I really like how, well, back to like grade five, English and grammar, right? You, you're saying Christian <laughs> as an adjective, not a label. And yeah. it's interesting because... People will use, and I'm going off my personal experience here, they'll use Christian always as a noun. I think, it, yeah. I think you're the first person, Josh, that that's that's kind of distinction. put that out yeah. there. So yeah. this is awesome. want to keep talking about this, but I do want to find out a bit more about you yeah. Yeah, and cool. your upbringing, your background, because all of these things, I, I don't believe ideas and the things we think exist in isolation of the context from which we come yeah. and the yeah. context with which we uh, exist within. So this is why every episode we'll try and find out a bit about who we're talking to and their background and things. So you, you want to just tell us like a bit about your upbringing, maybe what your parents do, your religious upbringing, if you had one, just tell us a bit about who you are as a person. Yeah, for sure. So my uh, story is, I don't know, it's not all that exciting. Um, I grew up in a country town called Gawler in South Australia. Um, and from the moment I was born, my parents were involved in church. So I've grown up in the Pentecostal movement my entire life. And that kind of shaped who I was um, as any upbringing does, you know, as any family belief does. When you're a kid, um, you just kind of accept all these things that you're given, that you're taught. Um, and that was my whole life. And um, I think in high school, I sort of struggled with, with what do I believe? What do I not believe? Because 
at my school, if you're a Christian, you're like sort of uncool, you know, you weren't in the in crowd. If you were religious or you had a religion or you went to church, like it wasn't the cool thing to do. So it wasn't a Christian school? Was a Christian school, but you know, again, but as a label, as a label, where it's not still cool. Not cool. <laughs> as a label, it was a Christian school, but I, I would okay. say it wasn't a Christian school in its practice and in its people. It was a private school. Hmm. Uh, I remember though, um, I was sent to a youth camp, and I had sort of had like this experience um, where I really felt the love, and I really felt the community of just being part of something you know that was bigger than myself. Um, I had an emotional. Uh, at the time, I would have called it a spiritual experience with God. Um, did the, as many Pentecostals do, doing the speaking in tongues, doing the people like lying on the floor and laughing and all the weird stuff that Pentecostals are into. So I had that experience. And for me, it was like deeply, um, it was deeply real, like in that time. And um, I don't want to um, discredit that as something that deeply impacted my life at the time. I don't think back on it and go, that was just BS, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I, like, I see it as a fundamental part of who shaped me now, even though my beliefs are very different now. So I grew up in that and I loved it. I loved youth. I loved church. And um, all I wanted to do was pursue like a career in ministry um, or a life of ministry, whatever um, you like to call it. So in all of that, uh, I eventually became uh, full-time in the ministry and was paid uh, to do youth ministry full-time. I was doing creative ministries full-time. And uh, just as part of that, I guess I got to this place when maybe we'll unpack later where I had to really critically think about everything that was given to me. And as I did, a lot of the things that I believed about the Bible or I believed about the spiritual experience started like sort of untangling. So everything that I grew up with started kind of like falling apart and becoming different. Just kind of back to your family context. It, you, what do your parents do for work and, and, and that were they religious as well? I assume yes. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, my mom, when I was a kid, was doing kids ministry. Uh, my dad was part of everything going on. My granddad actually was part of starting the church that I grew up in. Um, so there was oh, wow. that, there was that like sort of family tie, and I never remember my granddad going to that church. But uh, they're all very deeply religious people. My dad's very religious. Um, my all mom Pentecostal. Not, all across, yeah, all in the Pentecostal movement. Um, yep. So my whole life, that's more or less all I knew. My mom was a stay-at-home mom most of my life. Uh, she works. Um, in like helping people in need now. She's doing a really good job. And um, my dad's got investment properties now, but in my entire upbringing, he was uh, sort of going like job to job. Um, so mm-hmm. very, I guess, sort of maybe lower middle class uh, was my lower upbringing. Middle. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And so what about sporting clubs? Were you a part of sporting clubs or is it like church was the main focus that you had in your life? Um, or was there other things, you know, young liberals or some political party or something like that like tell tell us more about that sort of stuff yeah cool so uh, never in my life would anyone ever call me sporty or athletic that is not me <laughs> uh, but uh so music music was my thing um i played Thank in you. bands uh i was very much guitarist, into i'm vibing a guitarist yeah guitarist. definitely yeah guitarist um so uh so did the hardcore punk metal scene um got to travel a few times um was writing music for church as well um 
all that kind of stuff. And so music was my thing. I uh, remember the day I was like, I don't want to watch TV. I want to play guitar. I was like 13 or something. And I just like yeah. walked out of the lounge room, picked up my guitar, and that's like all I was doing. Um, Were you into like Christian punk and Christian metal kind of stuff? Yeah, well, that's how I got into it. There was a local band here called um, it's called Home Time, and they were like punk, hardcore, metal, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, the guitarist, one of the singers of that band, was my youth pastor growing up. Um, so he would like invite me to gigs, and he would take me to gigs. Uh, that's kind of how I got wrapped up in that. Um, which was really cool. So I used to, my, the first band I ever listened to was them, but then it was like Kill Switch Engage, As I Lay Dying, Under Oath, all those sort of. Under Oath, uh, yes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> all those fan. bands back in the day that everyone was getting into. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it kind of had to be Christian for my mum to be okay with it. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Mom, they're, they're screaming about Jesus. It's okay. <laughs> That's right. They're screaming passionately about Jesus for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So my parents were okay with it as long as it was like sort of Christian. I got into a lot of other bands as well, though, that definitely weren't Christian. Something I loved about the scene, actually, looking back, was that um, you could have a Christian band and a very like anti-Christian band playing the same show at the same time. And they'd like be honoring each other, getting along on stage together. And I kind of I kind of miss that kind of scene. There's not a lot of that going around these days where people can have two vastly different opinions and get along at the same time. That's what we're doing here. That's exactly <laughs> That's what we're doing here. It's good. So it sounds like a pretty positive religious upbringing. Yeah, it's not like you're running away from anything no. by the sound and of pretty, it. Pretty liberal. Like, I, I don't know, my stereotype of Pentecostals, like they're pretty liberal. They're always down for the, the drums in church. Yeah. Like, did you have the drum battles? Like my church was like, man, drums are from the devil. I'm like, nah, they're sweet, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was drums are the devil as much as it was those drums are too loud. You got to be quiet. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you're like, no, no, you got to mic them. That's the problem. Put mics <laughs> yeah, yeah. on them and then they'll be better. But the, it, they, no one understands that argument. Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, no, it was, um, I guess in that way, uh, I never really understood what church was growing up other than what I was given, right? So I guess I thought that my church was a modern church. I wouldn't have called it Pentecostal. I would have just been like, oh, ours is a modern church. And the churches uh-huh. that were in like chapels and old buildings, they were traditional churches. And for a lot of my life, oh, right. that's kind of like how I differentiated them because I just didn't know anything else. Um, and again, yeah. that comes back to, you know, that was just my culture. That was what surrounded me. Mm. Um, that was what was everywhere. So I had to um, learn that. And my big experience of uh, learning what that was was actually going to a Lutheran youth camp when I was 15, I think. Um and someone was like, so why do you guys speak in tongues? I was like, doesn't everyone speak in tongues? Like, isn't that just like something <laughs> that Christians do? Yeah. I didn't know. Um, yeah. So what are you swimming in? <laughs> so I realized, you know, there's a lot, um, there's a lot out there and there's a lot of different opinions on what the Bible means. And um, looking back, I reckon that was probably the start of my like, um, like, Doubting and questioning. Yeah, it sounds like the point that you pushed off from. So can you maybe pull apart some of the questions that you might have been asking in that time? Um, like more specifically, because obviously you've you've started learning at this point that there are other understandings of the Christian faith. So what were some of the questions that you were wrestling with um, at that time, if, if you can remember? Yeah, I think um, that time spans like a fair few years. Um so the start of it really was uh, that speaking in tongues thing because it was a huge thing at 
my church that, you know, if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you spoke, you spoke in tongues and that was it. Like there was no other. Like everyone had to do it. Or yeah. like everyone was, if Did you weren't do it. doing it, something's up with your relationship with God. Was that the perception of it? Uh, I wouldn't say there's something up with your perception of God, but I think that you were definitely seen as you have a deeper relationship with God if you speak in tongues. Okay. You know, um, tongues so, is like level two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that was the first thing. And I would actually go to one of the other Pentecostal youth leaders and um, I was like, wow, someone asked me about speaking in tongues. Like, what do we do with this? This is so weird. This is so different. I thought we all did this. And um, I sort of gave him some of those doubts. And he was like, oh, actually, I don't believe in the way that we handle um, speaking in tongues. I don't like the way that our church um, does that. Uh, I'm okay with it, but mm. I don't agree with it. So that was a huge thing for me to see one of... Sorry to cut you off, but what was his issue that he had with that? Like if he was a pastor in that church, like did he sort of explain any more of what, what his issue was? Or Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he um, uh, so he wasn't a pastor, just to clarify, he was just one of the leaders, but a leader that I looked up oh, okay. to a lot. Someone with yep, very, sure. uh, I guess, deep Bible knowledge who I looked up to. So he... Um, so what he didn't like in the Pentecostal church is that we um, were in at the time was that like preachers and worship leaders would speak in tongues through the microphone. So one of the scriptural things that he didn't like um, was that in the Bible it says, you know, tongues are a personal thing. Um, if you speak in tongues in public, you're going to lead people astray and that kind of thing. I can't remember right. the exact verses. I didn't come prepared for it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but that was his yeah. um, s- sort of uh, grievance with it. Um, so he was like, yeah. you know, they do that. I don't really agree with it. However, I just don't participate in it, um, which was probably a really good um, platform for me now to think back on it to be like, well, I don't have to believe what everyone else around me is believing to be part of the community that I'm mm. in. So yeah. that was the point where you realized there isn't just one homogenous set of beliefs. Now gray. you're starting to see a bit yeah. of. Yeah, shades yeah. of grey, I suppose, yeah. within the same thing. Yeah. yeah, that's right. There's more one way to do Christianity. Mm-hmm. So you just to kind of recap, you grew up very religious, probably more in a liberal context. And yeah. then you, you mentioned before, you're, you became like later on after your upbringing, you became very involved in the church and became employed employed by the church. Yeah. Um, talk Talk to me about the journey from being an employee from the church, which I'm assuming you would have said, yes, I'm a Christian, probably a Pentecostal Christian, to the point where now where you say, uh, I'm not. Nothing fits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, so you, if I just like speed up that uh, timeline from that speaking in tongues question I had, um, I would go through different questions like uh, why do the gospel accounts all say different things about how Jesus died and stuff like that and um, so so this is l- what's happening leading up to that point. You, you, you started to have questions introduced. Different points in my life where I, where I was 16, 20, 22, all the way through, I would have like these different questions that would never get answered. I didn't know where to take them. Or if I was trying to take them somewhere, I wasn't getting answers that I was happy with. But eventually, I guess I would just keep like sweeping those things under the rug because I had this like passion in me to really be part of a church community, um, to really be... Um, a leader within it, um, maybe lead my own church one day or be an itinerant speaker. Like I had these big dreams um, that I was sort of chasing. So any of those doubts, if I couldn't come up with answers for them, they would just get swept under that rug. Um, 
And what were some of those questions? I think you mentioned one just just before. The different things in like the gospel or um, like the four gospels um, where things wouldn't line up. So like the different uh, tellings of what happened when Jesus died and rose again, they're all like quite different across all four gospels. Um, And so you were asking why don't they line up? And the answer, which I guess they would have given, I don't know what what the answer they would have given just didn't. Yeah, so if, you know, the Bible call is completely inerrant, how do we make all of these things line up? Um, So I was having questions like that. Um, I really was wrestling with the concept of Satan. Um, Like a literal Satan? Like a literal, like devil, red pajamas, horns, pitchfork, all of that. Like, you know, just, uh, I was really wrestling with that. It just seemed a little bit too Hollywood, a little bit too fairy tale to me. Um, And I was really wrestling with it, trying to find something... um, uh, that was, I guess, an answer to that. Um, and again, it was just another thing I didn't really find like a good answer for because I didn't know where to take these things where other people were looking at it. All I knew was things like um, your sort of fundamental um, conservative Christians. Um, I guess even like in a Pentecostal church where like biblical inerrancy is a huge thing, right? So just to exp- like expand on biblical inerrancy, maybe I hopefully I'll get the definition right. That's where everything written is directly given from God to whoever wrote it. And so everything yep. in there, there are no mistakes. It's all the literal word of God. Words so when God, God in the yeah. Old Testament says, kill all those children. Uh, God wanted that God to wanted that to happen. That's yeah. kind of that, that yeah. biblical inerrancy. Like Genesis is six literal days of sunrise and sunset. That's literally how it happened. It's not a poem because that's not, it, it has to be the inerrant word of God. Yeah, because if it's God's word, it needs to be historically and scientifically accurate or it's not God's word, you know? And so, right. right. Okay. Yeah. Because God so, wouldn't make mistakes about exactly. how the world was made. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Um, so, you know, heaven forbid it was people writing about God, but, you know, we'll get into that later maybe. Crazy ideas, mate. Crazy <laughs> ideas. <laughs> I don't burn me at a stake, mate. I'm a heretic. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's, let's go back into your question from before, I guess. So I had all these questions, but the... The key thing there was I was really just bottling him down, repressing those things, sweeping him under a rug. Um, eventually, did you know you were doing that at the time? Like, did you? Was it a conscious thought? Yeah. Or, or is this upon reflection where you go, "Wow, I think these questions did build up," or were you aware of it at the time? Um, I think that I would have called it something different at the time. I think I would have called it uh, having faith at the time. So, you know, it was kind of like the more faith you have, the less doubts you have. And that was kind of my upbringing. That was kind right. of the, the thing I felt as if I doubted anything in the Bible or I doubted anything about God, that was like a weak faith. So for me to build up my faith, I had to like just keep declaring the things that I did know and ignore the things that I didn't. Um, but now... So in, a, in essence, you're saying that the things that you had questions about you chose to ignore any evidence to the contrary and you just you your worldview was of one of faith if i believe in this by faith then it will be true is that yes definitely that that's pretty accurate that's pretty true and i think but ultimately as well it was kind of like well i don't have any answers for these things it's not like uh i just think it's wrong i'm going to ignore it um it was also like i don't have a better answer for what i'm wrestling with no one's right. giving me one. I can't find one myself. So maybe it's just not worth the effort. Yeah, you know, it was just like, is it worth the effort? Uh, I was sort of like looking at the fruit of church because like I still love church and I love like community. 
I love all of that stuff. So uh, it was kind of like, well, I don't have answers for this. I've tried looking. I can't find anything. I'm just going to stop asking those questions and focus on the things that, you know, seem right to me for the sake of pursuing that ministry, uh, pursuing that sense of like meaning and fruit that I found being part of that sort of community. Because mm. you yeah. saw, I guess you saw the positives. Yeah. Within the community and that's what you focused on. Yeah, that's it. Like where did that lead then? Like, so you had all of these questions. Um, you're employed by the church. You're employed by the church. Did Was the church yep. supportive of your questions? Were they like, what happened around that? So you sort of got to this point where you've got all of these big questions and you're hitting a wall now. Like what, what, mm -hmm. how, how, explain to us what that looked like after you, you know, come up with all these questions and, and very few answers. Yeah. So like I would have to say, I wasn't really struggling with those things because they've been swept under the rug. Right. <clears throat> so when mm -hmm. I first was employed, it was like, sweet, like this is what I've been going for. This is what I want. I still had like a passion for um, reaching people, bringing them into the church and bring them into like a relationship with Jesus. So I was like really moved. Um, to do that, really passionate about it. Um, so when it first, when I first got employed, it was like a really good thing. It wasn't like, oh, how do I wrestle? It was just, uh, this is what I've been waiting for, like my whole life. This is good. Um, yeah. It was only after a couple of years of being employed where things started to really unravel. Um, so that story, I guess, is where we're trying to get to. So uh, I was actually on a, a youth leaders retreat. Um, I was the youth pastor at the time. And, uh, at the time, like, again, I'm not really wrestling with doubts or questions or anything like that. Um, I'm just trying to like be the best youth pastor I possibly can. You know, I'm just trying to reach as many sure. high school students as I can, uh, love them, bring them to Jesus, um, focusing on the leadership team, um, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and by reach them, you mean like convert them to Christianity. So it's like, yeah. I believe in Jesus and my job and role as a youth pastor is to get as many kids to that would say Believe give their life like to I do. jesus but yeah. i guess it would say adopt this belief system is that a roughly a uh, yeah so that's definitely at the time what i was i guess fueled by yep. and like fired up yep. by um but i can't just uh i wouldn't want to say that that's all youth ministry was about either because even at my roughest uh group of teenagers that we ever had it was really definitely more about relationship and i would often um, uh, I guess preach to the leaders about um, you know in 10 years time these guys just need to think back to the time where they were most loved if they're in the, a rough spot again they're going to mm. remember youth because we loved them better than anyone else did that was kind of yeah, like yeah sure. uh, and that's like a really really positive thing yeah like that's really good yeah so I think like that's the church that I worked in for a long time it was really more about loving people than uh, yeah that, than I don't know if I would say more than converting them, but there was definitely, it was kind of like a divine dance of both. Um, nice. Sure. So I'm on, anyway, so I'm on this youth leaders retreat. I'm getting, I'm sporadic. So just bear with me. No, so, no, no, that's cool. I, I set you off the rails then. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Back to where you were. <laughs> All right. So, okay, cool. So we, um, we're on this youth leaders retreat and there's this book on the bookshelf. I actually got it downstairs. I should have brought it, but um, it, um, it's called Creativity Inc. So we're in this Airbnb and we're at the beach because we're Australian. And uh, on this bookshelf in this beach house is Creativity Inc. And the part of my story, I guess I haven't unwrapped yet, is that 
I'm like just a deeply creative person and that's like a huge part of who I am. I guess, you know, I was a musician, but I was also into graphic design, video editing, photography, everything. Like I've, you know, I've dabbled in just about everything there was, wedding photography, recording music on the stage and behind it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I see this big book, all it says is creativity and I've got no idea what it is. Absolutely no idea, but it's got creativity on it. I'm just like, I got to read that book. It's huge. Like it's calling to me. It's bright red. In bold writing. <laughs> so it hooked me. It didn't take much. I, I picked it up off the shelf and it's got Buzz Lightyear on the front and it's written by the CEO and founder of Pixar Studios. Um, and with my creative side and the part of me that just loves leadership and team and all that kind of stuff, I was like, wow, this is about leading a creative studio. Like this is, what am I going to get out of this? Probably heaps. So, um, we finished the youth leaders retreat and I'm driving home by myself and I just like dusted off the old audible account, downloaded um, the audio book like straight away. And it was like a two hour drive back home, something like that. And I'm just listening to this book and uh, it wasn't, yeah. So immediately it was just like, wow, like, this place sounds amazing. And like the stories and um, they were talking about all this different technology that I would use every day, like just having like layers in video editing, like they created that when it wasn't even there. I was like, I take that for granted every single day. Wow, these guys, you know, yeah. made my job um, what it is. So, yeah. um, so I would listen to this book for ages. Um, it's a pretty lengthy book. I think the audio book was like sixteen hours. Um, so I'm like listening to this book all the time, and then I'm like I'm reading it, and somewhere in that, I can't pinpoint an exact moment other than when I was reading this book, but somewhere within that, uh, I stopped only thinking of ministry as the possible like future and purpose of my life within like that book. I was just like, Holy crap. Imagine working at Pixar studios. It sounds amazing. Or imagine just working at like a movie studio. Imagine working somewhere where we're like creating something where everyone um, has a say in like um, the final product and where everyone's working towards the same thing. And I guess I was sort of up against a couple of different things in the church politics to do with those things at the time. Um, so it just sounded awesome. So as I'm dreaming of a different future for myself, right? Because I'd only ever dreamed about ministry, being a pastor, right? A tenor, a preacher or whatever. I started dreaming about, oh man, imagine working at Pixar Studios. I could see myself doing the stuff I do like a lot, like graphic design and things like that. But in that environment where you know, someone right next to me, we can just banter ideas and have that um, collaborative environment. You know, even now, like I'm excited by it, you know. So in that, I'm like, oh, hang on a second. No, Josh, like you, you're pursuing ministry. Like that's your purpose. That's your your thing. And then in that, all those things that I had swept under the rug, that's when they really started to come out again. That's when it was like, so it's like, wow, uh, do I... Do I even really believe this is this was my moment. This was where I was like, do I really believe all these things that I say I believe? Do I really believe in speaking in tongues? Like, well, no, I haven't really felt like I was actually speaking another sort of heavenly language pretty much my entire speaking tongues life. And what did that feel like for you when what what was speaking in tongues like for you when presumably you were doing it then? Uh for me it was probably just being part of like the room, you know, sort of um, I would do it and, you know, I guess a lot of the time in the church it was sort of um, taught to be, you know, when you don't have anything to pray, like you pray in that language. Um, 
you know, you chuck out a couple of Hubbard Shakaras and, uh, you know, somehow that, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't uh, do that. Hubbard <laughs> <laughs> Shakara. Uh, yeah. I'm not good at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, should have bought a Honda, but I bought a message Bishy, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah, for me, like uh, I would do it, but there was always like something else going on in my head. So it wasn't like, um, hmm. I ever you felt really... like it didn't, you felt like when you were doing it, it wasn't what you were told it should be. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. It, it, yeah. it, it, it sounds, it sounds interesting. Like that moment you describe back to what you're saying about when you said you just thought that what if I didn't do ministry yeah. and then all of a sudden these questions come, came flooding back. It sounds like, it, I mean, I'm no psychologist. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but it sounds like there was like this self-preservation mechanism that was like, I'm in ministry. This is what I do. And so you just and shut, this up, is my shut it off. Yeah. But then all of a sudden when you could go, well, no, no, like this, I could have community elsewhere and have purpose elsewhere as well. It sounds like, I don't know. It sounds like almost a self-preservation mechanism that stopped yeah. the questions. And then they all came flooding back once that, once there was a future outside of it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's exactly what we're talking about today as well is like I had this label or I had this um, part of myself. I was, you know, building my identity around I am a pastor or I am a minister or I am a whatever. And when I guess that didn't fit into that box anymore, um, because I had such, I guess, a rigid foundation um, all it took was, oh, what if I did something else? And bam, like, you know, what I would have called my faith suddenly took this whole new 180, this huge turn where everything came apart. And you got to wonder in times like that, it's like, well, how, like, how legitimate was like the things I believed in at all? If all it took was, oh, what if I did something else with myself? You know? Um, did you feel like you were sort of pushed into a particular direction in terms of like your church community was like, hey, Josh, you're really good at doing X, Y, Z. That means that you should do X, Y, Z for the rest of your life like, and then sort of yeah, pushing like, you in. Career, or, was your career handed to you? Is that... Or did, or did you feel like it was some sort of like a calling from God or like explain mm. your thoughts and your feelings around around that direction that you originally had before that that break? Yeah, that's good. Um, so uh, I think this is really big in um, when you're a teenager. Um, I don't know what it's like in um, other denominations or other movements, um, but in Pentecostalism, there's a huge thing about um, like the call of God on your life. And so um, they would use what they would call like prophetic words and be like, like God's got a huge plan for you. Um, you're going to be this one day. You're going to be this one day. And for me, that um, I guess growing up, not like part of the in crowd. I was a little bit of a loner when I was at high school, but you know, I was part of like a really big group of friends when I was at church. So that was like, for me that, like you said, like that's my community and stuff like that. So when I found that sense of purpose and I found someone that believed in me saying that, you know, those are the things, you know, then yes, exactly those words you said before, Cam, it's like, I thought that was the call of God in my life because like it made me feel so good. And in those like Mm -hmm. emotional moments where it's like, wow, like this is awesome. It's like, this must be God because it's so good. Um, and you confuse that sometimes with an emotional experience. Um, so, yeah, like my, my thoughts on that are a little bit different now. But at the time, yeah, I felt like I was pursuing like the call of God on my life. 
um, I felt like yeah. I was um, doing what God's plan for Josh Mars was. Um, and I think there was like part of me as well, when I think about like the labels and the pastor and stuff like that, like I kind of had like this hierarchy in my head. It was like, well, if God wants that for me, like I must be pretty special, um, you know, and like hmm, that right. was um, a big part of that as well. So when um, I started thinking about other um, careers or other ministries or other, you know, what my life could look like, it was like, well, that was a huge part of my identity that I had like made and created um, mm. and felt like was, you know, God ordained in my life. Um, mm. So like when that came, um, when all those questions that I swept under the rug started like coming out, like it really did a number on me. Um, it was really emotional. It wasn't just, um, it wasn't just intellectual, like, oh, I can't make these things make sense. It was deeply like, holy crap, like, do I, all these things that I defined myself by, now have they gone? Like, what do, how do yeah. I live my life? Yeah. So the way you, like, even saw yourself as a person was so intertwined with all of these, these things yeah. that were starting to unravel. Yeah. Yeah. It was how I met, it was how I met my wife. It was, um, my, I mean, even especially when I was working, it was like, you know, my nine to five, you know, I was in church all the time. Um, so yeah, it was a huge part of how I defined myself as a huge part of how I saw myself, how I valued myself, all of that for sure. So yeah. when you started to entertain these questions, you now had space to, to see a future with these questions as a part of it. What happened then? Well, firstly, it was uh, it was very hard. I just don't believe in anything. Um, after about six months of kind of wrestling with this and not knowing what to do with it, it was like, okay, I just don't believe in anything anymore. And I was sat with my wife and we're just on the couch. We just chucked the kids in bed. And I'm like, wife, uh, Joe, I just don't know if I believe in God anymore. And she was awesome in that. Like, I thought that it would just be like crying in tears and everything, you know? Like, I mean, I'm employed at the church. We were, you know, in the music team together at church. That was like a huge part of us coming together. But she was just awesome. She was just asking questions, um, asking about how I got there, what it was I was wrestling with, have you considered this? Um, so she's been like a huge part of um, like really keeping me stable um, and all this. So that was. Um, I don't know. That was about eighteen months ago. Now that was a while ago. Um, so it sounds it sounds like um, your wife's ability to um, have maintain a relationship with you um, and hold these questions mm, with make you, space for them, and and yeah, like make space, allow these questions, ask you more questions. Like that was like a really crucial part. It sounds like to actually you being able to. Because I, I guess that doing this sort of stuff alone would be considerably harder, particularly when you already have a family and, and, and a relationship with your partner and stuff. Yeah. Um, without that support, it, it could have been quite a difficult time. So maybe just talk about sort of that because it sounds like that relationship is like a really crucial one to kind of the person you are today. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, if I hadn't been married to Joe within all of this, I probably would have just thrown in the towel um, because... Um, I needed, like you said, like I needed someone to really um, bounce like these thoughts with um, and for it to yeah. be 
um, someone that close to me who could really receive those questions and not be um, intimidated by them or not be scared by them was a huge thing mm. and sort of yeah. like I said before it was just keeping me stable um, keeping me moving forward um, not just because I think like if you just throw in the towel and you just start going okay well I'm an atheist now or I don't believe in anything now when you are so much um, involved in the church and things like that like you know I don't know what I would be doing I don't, don't know if my marriage would be able to stick together if um, she wasn't able to um, facilitate that really well. Um, was the church that you were involved with, was that not a safe space to ask these questions? Was was there ability to be honest with anybody that you were around within your church community? Was there that capacity within the church or not? Um, so at the time, I didn't think that it would be. Um, and looking back, like maybe not. And I think that most churches are like this. So I don't have any... Um, like antagonism against my specific church. Yeah. So I just don't think that church yeah. is really a place that um, knows how to handle those sorts of questions and doubting. Um, and that's just kind of part of like what makes it survive um, as an institution. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would go, um, for me, the biggest thing was if I have these doubts and they're not received well, am I going to lose my job? I got three kids to feed. Um, you know, I want to make sure that yeah. my wife and kids can eat food and live indoors. And if possible, I'd love to be able to yeah. do those things too. Um, and it's like, yeah. okay, so what is this going to do? So for a lot of the time it was, um, yeah, like this is my job. This is my life. Um, what do I do with this? What is this conversation going to, um, unfold? So in that sense, I guess, yeah, it, it didn't feel like a safe place to have those doubts and questioning. Um, Kudos to Joe then, by the sounds of it. Like, <laughs> it sounds like she was really crucial in this. Oh um, yeah, she was. This pulling apart. Yeah. Mm. So maybe, um, maybe some of the like, where have you landed now? Like, because mm. we've sort of yeah been able to pull apart a bit of your story. Like, maybe pull apart now more of yeah, exactly like, where you are. Yeah, where you are now. You're not a Christian. But you're not an atheist, which is an on interesting one. <laughs> on some days, actually, you you're all of these things and none of these things. So talk yeah. to us about that concept. I'm sure many people are going, how can you be all of them and none of them? Yeah. And you yeah. started to describe it at the beginning. Yeah, talk about that. About six months after I had that conversation with Joe, and I sort of ended up, you know, still sticking in church and stuff like that. I found um, the Deconstructionists podcast, um, and they pointed me towards all these different thinkers, um, like. Uh, Peter Rollins, PNs. Um, so um, I was just like devouring all these podcasts and learning so much. And it was just like, it just felt like there was a world of thought out there that I'd never scratched into because I just didn't know it was there. What did those podcasts that you mentioned, Deconstructionist, PNs, um, Rollins, Rollins, what did they offer you that helped you so much that it seems like? current structures of churches don't yeah it was um the way i like to describe it is there was a different way of reading the narrative and um hmm. i've been read um the same gospel my entire life or the same message or the same way to read the bible my entire life and suddenly there were these very educated people and very curious people who would still call themselves christian but have such fundamentally different um, beliefs to what I'd grown up with. I was like, wow, I can Do you still... Have an example of something like that? Uh, so I think biblical inerrancy was the biggest one to start off with. Um, and just the idea that um, 
Uh, so one of the other um, people I really enjoy listening to is um, a guy named Shane Willard, and he has been trained by someone with their rabbinical training. So he like really knows Jewish scripture, um, but he's like yeah. um, he's a like, full time itinerant preaching and like you know wherever he can really. One of the things that he talks about is how the Old Testament and New Testament that's like more like progressive revelation of who God is. And so rather than trying to make the God who's talking about killing babies in the Old Testament line up with the same God who's loving like Jesus on the cross, dying mm. for people, rather than trying to like make those the same God somehow and just wrap mystery on it and just say, oh, I just don't know. They were like, well, actually, that just doesn't make sense. And Pete Enns is hmm. particularly great um, when it comes to this. I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, it was kind of like, well, you, can't, you just can't make those things line up. And I think one of the things in my church life, uh, I can't speak for everyone's, but in my church life, it was kind of like, well, you just kind of have to accept both. And like, sometimes God is like that. Sometimes he's like that. Or somehow when it comes to the New Testament, God changed his mind um, about humanity mm. or something like that. But how much better is it to read the Bible as progressive revelation of who God is? So you see people, like real people just wrestling with, what is it that's out there that's making life meaningful? What is it out there that's making life worth living? How did we get here? Why do I want to, um, uh, what drives me to want to love my neighbor rather than, you know, murder them and steal their food or whatever it is, you know, at the time. It's like when I was showing that I don't have to take every word for scientific, historic accuracy, I could see it written for what it was, whether it be poetry, whether it be, um, propaganda or whether it just be people just wrestling with stuff i mean the psalms is full of you know david going god like screw you like why is my life so crap but we just <laughs> yeah. we you know we only want to yeah. preach about psalm 23 and the other ones like that where it's mm -hmm. like you know you're yeah. making my life all good all the time thank you god and we're sometimes i guess we would just ignore the you know man my life is just terrible God, where the heck are you in this? It sounds like these podcasts introduced, we're always told that you either believe the Bible, like this is the surface layer debate that I is like the entry point, which is you're a Christian or you're an atheist like Dawkins who reads the Bible the same way as the Christians, but says that's silly, mm. that's stupid. And Christians say, no, it's not. But it sounds like these podcasts introduced something to you where you didn't have to throw it out like Dawkins, but you didn't have to read it the same literal way. Yeah. And it sounds like from what you're saying, there's a whole lot more depth that you've discovered, like yeah. to unpack what you're saying about, yeah. uh, what was it? Revelatory. Progressive revelation. Progr yeah. Progressive revelation from well, at least what I'm picking up is that rather than reading it like a textbook saying here is exactly scientifically how the earth was created. It's like, you're looking at the Old Testament and going, there were people 4,000 years ago saying, what is life and who is God? And this yeah. book is them trying to explain this God and this life. So it's more of a movement of un human, human understanding as opposed to God changing. Yeah. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Is that, is that a fair accurate... Is that uh, kind of what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the Old Testament, they really thought that God was in like the tent or he was really in the temple. And if you went in there, you would see God and you would die. But then it didn't happen. Um, there's a story and it, I can't remember where it is exactly, but um, the the priests of like God's temple, they're all 
um, in prison and they're on the floor and they're all about to die and the evil king, um, I cannot remember which one. It's in the Bible, I, I promise you. Um, <laughs> it's somewhere in there. He's, he's, he's going into the temple and he's going to like steal all the temple treasures and stuff like that. And the priests are like, you know what, go for it. Because we know that if you go in there and you take all that, you're going to die. You're going to see God and you're going to die. But instead of that happening, he just waltzes out with all the um, the treasure of the temple. And it's like, okay, rather than going, oh, God left, what if God was never in there at all? And I think that right. um, in every point, in, there's a few very key points in Old Testament, but eventually we find ourselves um, in a point in history where um, the people of the time, they would see Caesar as God, right? So the people literally believe that God could be human. And in that time, God becomes human in Jesus. And we finally get like a closer, more real inkling of what is God? Was he in the sky? Yeah, probably not. Was he in the tent? Probably not. Was he in the temple? Probably not. But maybe he was Jesus. And that's kind of like where the story goes. Um, but the problem with trying to make the ultimate Old Testament view of God line up with the New Testament view of God is they're just two different, um, I'd say, like imaginations of what God is. Yeah, I think the, like I said before, seeing it as a way to read the narrative, and it, I guess it resonated with me on a real level. Yeah, I one of the big things for me was um, my, in Pentecostalism, it's very sensationalist, right? So it's a lot about the, um, the fuzzy feelings and the falling on the floor and the laughing and all those sort of like what we call like manifestations of the Holy Spirit or yeah. something like that. But it just didn't seem real to me. Like I didn't have like, there would be so many sermons preached about, you know, you see miracles happen and all that kind of stuff. And over and over again, I'd just be like, well, I just don't see anything. I don't see anything real in that. But as the narrative was read in a different way, which would lead me closer to, actually like we find God in the act of like loving one another. And that's, you know, the ultimate picture of Jesus on the cross. It's like that makes more sense than trying to make all that other stuff make sense, which just doesn't. With this new, cause there sounds like so much to talk about, but let's just, let's just say you found a new understanding of scripture, a new understanding of the Bible, one that reads it very differently from how you used to read it. But it's also left you in a place where you would say, uh, by what definition I might not be a Christian. Uh, I don't fit the noun of being a capital C Christian anymore, but I still am a Christian, but I'm also sometimes an atheist. I'm also sometimes a agnostic. agnostic. Yeah. Talk to me about, I guess, the practical level of this new spirituality i suppose this belief new structure whatever. belief structure that seems to be i mean some people might describe it as wishy-washy go with the wind but it doesn't really sound like that it sounds like you have asked a lot of questions and gone really deep but it just has led you away from these traditional rigid boxes that that we normally exist within yeah yeah so i think the the big one for me um the big change for me was not having to be certain about my beliefs anymore um to be open hmm. to a, to be open to different ways of looking at the scripture or to be open um to different types of spirituality just to like i guess i'd grown up so certain of all those things um 
or like the describe what you mean by certain when you say certain of these things what do you mm. mean like 100% intellectually believing it i think it was probably more a um a vocal declaration um and i guess on a okay. conscious level yes i would have said that i believed it but on an unconscious level i just don't know so now it's just kind of like mm-hmm. well yeah. what did what did the bible mean by that um, you know, we would preach messages that would be like, this is what the Bible says. This is what it means. Um, but now it's kind of like, all right, this is what I read in the Bible. Could it mean this? What does it mean to you? And I guess there's more conversation in that and there's more wrestling with that. And um, uh, one of the things that a preacher says that I absolutely love and I wish more preachers would be open to saying it is that a good sermon isn't agreed with or disagreed with. It's wrestled with. And for me now, it's just like, I love the wrestling. And like, there's um, days where I'm like, man, I don't know if I believe in God at all anymore. I don't know if there's anything other than what I see in front of me. But then there's other days where I'm like really wanting to like press in um, to this like spiritual life or um, the I want to open up my Bible and read. But other days it's like, man, I just don't know or I don't care. Um, but being open to that and being able to go, you know what, I can't honestly say that i believe in god all of the time sometimes i just got no idea and it's just that openness to not having to have all the answers it's that openness and willingness to um want to wrestle and want to doubt want to question things and find joy in that rather than finding um you know despair um for lack of a better word so that seems like a a you know, valid place to be, um, like one of, of open-handedness and um, inclusion, I guess. But what does it like actually look like in your day-to-day life? Like has ha- how have these um, beliefs or belief structures, have they changed your life? Have they changed who you are as a person? Do like, they help you? Yeah, do they help way? you? Do they hinder you? Like just talk about that for us. Yeah, cool. That's, that's a really good question. Because unless there's some sort of practical outworking, like it's just, you know, a bunch of people sitting around talking about ideas. Which is mostly this podcast, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, like I love what you guys are doing with, um, uh, you know, being participants of it as well. It's really cool. Um, so for me, the uh, one of the biggest things that I had to come to terms with was like I just don't really feel like hell is like a literal place of like eternal conscious torment. Like that's just... Like, it didn't make sense at all anymore. And, like, that was a huge thing for me. Um, and that's what we are talking about before with, like, how do we, um, like, it's kind of like you can read the Old Testament and believe in that kind of God, but can you read the New Testament and still believe in that God? You're just like, I'm not sure. sure. Um, so yeah. how can a loving God have created this place and send people there just because they don't believe a certain thing? So here's my, I guess, our working now. I think that um, practically my desire is more to um, influence people and love people um, more than it is to try and convert them. And for me, that's like um, just asking questions or just, you know, meeting somebody's needs. Um, I met with a pastor not that long ago and they were asking me, you know, what is missions to you? And we're talking about, you know, in mission trips that churches would go on is like very much about, trying to convert people to Christianity. He was telling them about Jesus, but he was like, well, my conviction is, and I 100% agree with him. It's like, mission should just be meeting people's needs. And yeah. he was, and this is a senior pastor. And he was saying, you know what? Sometimes religion is the last thing people need. 
And that just like blew me away. And to just honestly go, you know what? People don't need to believe what I need to believe as much as maybe they just need someone to care in that moment uh, or they just need to be fed in that moment. So for me, like the practical outworking of this, like I feel like what I want to do um, practically is like lead people on a similar journey to me where we can come to this place of uncertainty and we come to this place of doubting and questioning. Um, But in the middle of all that, not seeing or like the core of that, not seeing like there's a right way and a wrong way to do things like that's probably the biggest thing for me because it was all about I have to get the Bible right or I have to be a Christian the right way. But now it's a lot more aligned with, look, I don't know how to be the best Christian or the best person, but however you think you want to be the best person, like if we're both honestly just trying to make our world a beautiful place and we're trying to engage with the people around us, let's do that together. It might be different, but I honestly believe now that like peace is found in the middle. Um, f- but beforehand, it was like, uh, you have to believe what I believe. You have to have these convictions. You have to have the same belief set. Um, you have to believe in the same God that um, I imagine or the same God that I am talking about um, to be right. But now it's like, now I just don't feel like I've got that kind of authority or that kind of wisdom or that kind of intellect because hmm. like, I'm, mm-hmm. in- I'm not an intellectual person whatsoever. But I do believe that um, if we can lead people just to um, that place of peace in the middle, you know, not as like a compromise where we compromise our belief. Like I got no problem with people wanting to be labeled Christian or labeled atheist. But as long as we can be willing and open to have that, I guess, suspended space where it's like, I'm going to put my belief aside and just want to connect with the person, which is exactly what you're talking about at the start of this podcast. Like it's not a compromise, but it's more like a handshake. And I want to bring people closer hmm. together regardless of like their doubt or regardless of their different belief, um, which is exactly what like, you guys are doing on this podcast. Um, but like I have this like fundamental um, like stirring within me to like bring people into that journey as well. I'll just sort of give back a bit of what I'm hearing. You can tell me whether I'm off base or not, but it sounds like you're, you're more open, hmm. um, you're more loving you're more generous and you're a more humble person because of this, um, I guess, uncertainty that you've yeah. walked through. Would that and, be And accurate? it sounds like this sense mm. of, like, I, it, it sounds like a big dose of, like, theological humility. Yeah. That says, yeah. Uh, like, the, the opposite, I would, it sounds like, and I've grown up in the church, so I'll say this from my experience, there's this theological certainty that doesn't breed humility because it's like, no, no, these are our doctrines, so we are right. And, and you're talking about this, mm. this level of theological uncertainty that's like when I read the Bible, it's, it could mean this. It and opens it, and you it up. It could mean yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it also, and, and, and having that, I guess, theological or even intellectual humility that says, I don't have all the answers, yeah. sounds like it's opened you up to connect with, people around you first and foremost whereas i think previously and maybe your experience is a testament to this like maybe not having that like having this newfound openness has essentially like lost you a community as well like you you can't have this kind of in uh, theological humility you you don't fit back where you were anymore well, you're not welcome, I yeah, guess. And, yeah. and I suppose that might have been your experience as well. Yeah, I think 
uh, yeah, like I love everything you're saying. Like I really do feel like that. I feel like um, when I'm less drawn to make people believe what I believe, I am more drawn into like I really do feel like um, I just want to love people deeper. I want to be okay with not having all the answers. I want to be okay with the the wrestling um, and in that like the way I interact with people. Like I want that to be. So what do you believe? What are you struggling with? And if it's different to me, awesome. Like let's let's do that together. Um, let's meet in the middle. Let's yeah. find something here. Um, and it's like, yeah. And again, you were saying before, like, do I feel like I could fit into like that Christian community anymore? Like, like I want to believe that I can. I think that the church is like a beautiful place with beautiful people. Um, but you know, every every community and every group of people is still made up of people, and we're never gonna get it all right, right? So, like, yes, yeah. you know, just because the church isn't perfect doesn't mean that it's not good. And I really believe that, like, there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of potential there. But like you were saying before, there's not a lot of space for doubting and questioning and really wanting to wrestle with things on a on a deeper level. What I'm trying to say is, what I want to do is have be someone that can create that space for people, um, whether it be in a church setting or in my living room, um, just to be able to go. What are you doubting? What are you questioning? What What is it that um, you feel God is doing in your life right now? Or why do you feel like God's abandoned you in this? Let's talk about that. Let's find some sort of like deep mm. truth in that um, because I'm wrestling with those things. I've got no idea most mm. of the time. Um, but when you, I guess when I'd grown up in like that religious certainty and that um, uh, that sort of, I guess, church mindset of like, this is what we believe. And if you believe this as well, like your faith is stronger and better. Stepping out of that and into a more like, I got no idea um, and I'm happy with it. I'm happy to, like Peter Rollins says, just revel in the raveling. Um, like I find that so many people, especially in our generation, are going through the same thing but don't know how to voice it. I guess I want to be someone that can create a space for people where they can wrestle and they can doubt and they can question and whether they're able to fit the mold and still attend like you sort of um, – what you get called maybe like a traditional church setting, or maybe if they don't, you know, maybe they're homosexual or maybe they're, um, they're sleeping with a girlfriend or maybe they're whatever it is that, you know, doesn't um, make sense in that church community. Or maybe it's somewhere more accurately where they would feel judged and unwelcome. I want to be someone that like can invite people in and say, well, that's just not the God that I believe in. You know, the God that mm. I believe in isn't the one that judges you for um, what you're doing. I believe in a different God. And maybe, the um, church that you think or maybe the church that you've tried going to, they imagine God that way where you're judged and you can't belong there. But the God that I believe in, um, in on my best day will like invite anyone yeah. <laughs> into, into that yeah. place. I like that. Um, yeah. The God I believe in on my best day. It does, <laughs> it does include like, mm. I, I'm hearing like you're including a lot of your humanity into yeah. your yeah. belief. Like we don't always, believe something you know i think this is a very peter Rollins idea i say i don't yeah. believe in ghosts but when my wife's away and i'm the only one at home <laughs> and i hear a noise i'm scared <laughs> but i think i don't believe in ghosts so i'm like yeah. We're, yeah. we're not always sure what we think we believe and and i i'm hearing a lot of uh yeah yeah absolutely. Like your, your humanity and honesty within that and it sounds like you have so much uncertainty which in a normal church construct that's a bad thing yeah. But it sounds like you're really enjoying this space of uncertainty that you've found. It sounds like this uncertainty is more free for you. Yeah, absolutely. And the the point in my journey 
where I had come to a point where I was just like, look, I just don't believe in anything anymore. Where I'm sat with Joe and I'm telling her, look, I just don't think I believe in God at all anymore. I think I'm just going to be an atheist now. It was in that moment where I was trying to be the most conservative and believe all the things that I had been told. That led me to that point. But when I was in a position where I could not have all the answers and be open to lots of different ways of um, asking those questions or answering those questions, that is what like stirred within me like some sort of like passion and life again and you know belief hmm. in belief in God again. It was like okay, the best time for me. Um, like a lot of conservatives will say things like, you know, if you're wrestling with these things, like you're, or if you're a progressive Christian and you believe different things to what we believe, um, you're basically on your way to becoming an atheist. But that wasn't my story. My story was the more conservative I was trying to be, the more atheistic I got. But the more open I was to different like uh, ideas and different thoughts, that led me back to God. And that led me to a place yeah. where, you know, wow. um, yeah. yeah. That's a cool story, man. That's yeah. 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 Thanks for your honesty and openness in, in, in sharing all this with us. I, I, I've got a lot to, a lot to really uh, kind of, kind of think about in there. Like Chew on, yeah. in, in the beginning, I, I, I found it interesting. Like we're always trying to explore this idea of the gateway drug, you know, these ideas yeah. are, are gateway drugs that lead you somewhere else. And it, something I didn't think I would, I would find that I just noticed in your story is like when, when you were talking about, how the labels you were given and and the identity that you had, whether it's a self-given label of my, I'm a Christian and I'm in ministry or whether it's a label that other people put on you as well. Community Community say you're a Christian is what you think. It's interesting to me how those labels shaped how you were thinking and how you dealt with the questions. Mm. I find that fascinating to think the moment that you could imagine a possibility of outside not, of the out, church, outside of where you were, yeah. was the moment when everything came flooding in that was you knew was there, but but was hidden. I, I, mm. I yeah, I find that fascinating. I think um, Peter Rollins has this idea. We're really just quoting Peter Rollins a lot on this, <laughs> yeah. but he's always saying like he, he's saying like um, like pursue your dreams, like get everything you want, like fulfill your dreams so you can realize the horror of them yeah. because yeah. the po- the purpose isn't to fulfill your dreams because you're just fulfilling an idea that you had in the past. And yeah. the idea isn't to do that. The, the freest thing to do is to put yourself in a position to dream more dreams. Yes. Yeah. yeah. To put yourself in a position where you can think of new possibilities, because I can only mm, think yeah. it's of, expansive, yeah, as opposed to restrictive. Yeah, I can only yeah. think of the possibilities that I can imagine right now. But yeah. what can I imagine in yeah. a different setting somewhere else? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that makes sense or if it's linked yeah, at all. It's just a bit of an idea. Yeah, um, I think Rollins calls it like, um, like just allowing space for novelty. Like, you just don't know where it's going to end. Uh, you don't yes. know. What yes. you're gonna find, um, but if you're so said. rigid and so, <laughs> if you're so rigid and so certain that this is exactly what God is, and you've got Him in that box, um, you got her in that box, you know, whatever you like to believe. It's kind of like, well, that's just what it has to be. But if you leave yourself a space for novelty, and you leave yourself space for being wrong, if you leave your space, uh, yourself space for like. Um, this idea of God to be bigger than you, what you thought it was before. Like life is so much richer and more full um, than you could imagine. Mm. So, I think your story is exactly 
showing that and yeah. you, talking to you now i see a lot of life and and it kind of shows exactly what you're saying so thanks yeah. thanks so much for talking to us i'm gonna skim through Oh, yeah, there was a good question. Uh, I think it was actually our mate Craig from um, Friday night, I think. He asked, um, do you experience God now and how do you experience God if you do? So I'm wrestling with that one right now, if I can just be completely honest. So a big part of my upbringing and a big part of my journey was like um, being part of worship teams, playing guitar um, and leading people into that like space of like worship in that church setting. so like yeah. a lot of what I believe now is very different. I don't know how to like um, piece those things together anymore. I'm still wrestling with that. Um, but I think uh, what I had believed was like experiencing God was um, like the, those miraculous moments, which were in essence, you know, coincidences or like good things happening in your life. Um, or it was those like emotional moments where, you know, they hit the minor chord in the worship song and it's like, whoa, I got the shiveries. You know, um, like for me, that was experiencing God. But now it's like, well, I feel like I experience God when I am Christ to other people. So the way that right. Joe and I are like living this out, um, our experience is participation. Um, and so like we'll do different things. So uh, we're doing something we like to call like purposeful living, where all the things that we would buy normally, um, such as hand wash or shampoos, um, and it's a bit different now because of COVID, but toilet paper, like there's different companies that are um, <laughs> selling all those things, but they're putting the profits towards, um, you know, meeting the needs of other people. So like the Thank You Foundation, um, you know, does like kids nappies <laughs> and stuff like that. We will go out of our way to buy those um, instead of simply just buying whatever is the most convenient at the time. Um, there's a company yeah. who makes toilet paper. They're called Who Gives a Crap? Um, but they're like completely made out of, um, recycled materials and they're building toilets for third world countries that wouldn't have them otherwise so we'll go out of our way yeah. to order that toilet paper rather than just go down to the shop and like that's just one like example um where our i guess experience of god isn't the spiritual feeling within us but it's our participation and what our um, belief in god um, is outworked as um, one of the things that really stirred me in all my journey was it's not so important when you think of what you believe, but what's more important is how you believe. And that really um, resonates with me. That really, um, for me, that's my experience in God when I'm participating with what I think um, God would want, like in those moments. Um, So if I'm pressing into um, that being or that spirit um, of love, justice, mercy, radical generosity, and I'm focusing and meditating on that, like where does that lead me? And that's my experience with God. It's my outworking, yeah. not just like how it makes me feel. So Joe is obviously involved with this. What about your kids? Like, what are your have have your kids witnessed this? Like, what where, where do they sort of sit with this walk that you've gone through? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, unfortunately, my kids are uh, four, two, and one, and um, they're all <laughs> they're all quite young. Um, but. Yeah. So what would if if they haven't if they can't sort of comprehend it what would you want for them out of this then if yeah, they awesome. if they're not in a position right now to have sort of a conscious understanding of what's going on what would you want them to get out of this like what's your hope yeah. for this situation Yeah that's a really good question because when you're wrestling with these sort of ideas of um, uncertainty and doubting and questioning it really like when you're a Christian, you think of raising your kids in a certain way where they go to Sunday school 
and they learn all these stories um, and things like that. So what I want to um, see um, different, I guess, in my kids' experience of God and church and all this stuff is that they would be um, encouraged to question and doubt things and they would be encouraged maybe to see like Jonah and the whale as a story instead of, you know, literal historical fact. And then from that, they can go, okay, so what does this mean in my life? Like, what can this do for me? Like, I want to encourage my kids as they grow up um, to be open um, to different ideas and to wrestle with different things. Um, Not to like completely sway them or like mess with them, but just in a space where, you know, they wouldn't have to be 27 like I was really having no idea what I believed at all. But they would be able to be in their twenties one day and go, you know, what well, my parents gave me the ability to like experience a spirituality and ask questions and, um, you know, wrestle with what I think God is. Not just you have to believe this. God is A B C. This is how you have to live because of that. Um, but rather, they would be able to come up with their own ideas and would be able to discuss and converse around those ideas. Josh. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. That's um, thanks for being really open generous and, and honest and and, <laughs> yeah. and just sharing your journey with us. It's been awesome. Thank you to everyone joining us on Instagram Live. Yeah. This episode will be up uh, eventually whenever I get around <laughs> to editing it. Uh, generally drop one a week. That's the goal. If we miss it, oopsie daisy. Yeah. Uh, but if you have any questions, you can DM us on Instagram. You can send us a question or a comment. Uh, we also have an email ideasdigest at gmail.com our instagram handle if you don't know is at ideasdigest review the podcast for us because that brings it to the top of the list of what people should be listening to five stars only don't honestly review (laughs) it just give it five if anything less get lost (laughs) anyway thanks for everyone joining us and we'll catch you guys in the next episode thanks guys